Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. Today on the podcast, I talk to Dominique Side. Dominique is a singer, vegan lifestyle and fashion influencer and ethical living serial entrepreneur. She is the co-owner of Vegan Bay Music Group and Studios in Houston, Texas. Here we go. Whether you're following a plant-based diet and looking for high-quality, clean-label protein, Maybe you're managing severe allergies. Perhaps you're committed to eating food that's good for you and the planet. At Joy, they believe everyone has the right to take control of what they consume. After all, in a chaotic world, the way we nourish our bodies is one of the few things we do have power over. Joy was born from the shared goal of creating high-quality, delicious, and sustainable plant milk. Concentrates of these different plant-based milks, options like cashew or hemp, are perfect for making a glass or using in a recipe. Get 10% off your order with code CONSCIOUSLYCARLY. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y-C-A-R-L-Y. CONSCIOUSLYCARLY for 10% off your order at Joy. Add some joy to your diet. I just have to read this because it's the most impressive list of things about a single human being. Let me just, okay. Dominique side known as vegan bay and dom in Mm -hmm. the music world is an artist serial ethical entrepreneur vegan fashion lifestyle expert and influencer you have built a boutique vegan grocery store founded a luxury vegan clothing line and you are the co-owner of the vegan bay music group that features an eco-friendly studio and media complex in houston I read that four times to make sure I comprehended all of the things that I was looking at. And I know it's probably really uncomfortable that I just shared all of that, but it's amazing. And honestly, I'm so excited to talk about all of the above. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not uncomfortable. It's honestly sometimes a good reminder because when you're Mm -hmm. in it, like doing all the things, you don't really get really like, I do all these things. Yes. You know, it's, but I, I do all these things. You do. <laughs> and that's like well, I'm glad high, high level overview. I'm like, that's high level mm-hmm. overview of doing all the things. Yes. I love it. I'm so excited to dive in. The podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And I like putting people on the okay. spot right away and saying, okay. where do you feel like right now, if it was a spectrum from being clueless to conscious. What would you feel like today? I Okay. I would put myself in the middle, but I think I honestly underestimate how conscious I actually am, mm. especially if it's relative to other people and how conscious they are. But I, I'm just thinking about my own bubble and how much mm-hmm. I feel like there is to learn. And so I feel like there's always so much more to know and to learn. And every time I step into a different industry, I'm confronted with more information. I'm like, oh my gosh, there are more things that I could be doing uh, to make conscious decisions for what I call a compassion lifestyle. Yeah. I love that. So let's start with mm-hmm. kind of your vegan origin story. Where did that come from? 
So almost six years ago, (laughs) I was in a documentary and was confronted with a lot of information that I couldn't unhear or unsee. I always said I wasn't going to be vegan. That's like that's right. That's the thing that people say. I could never do that. I have a friend who had been at least like vegetarian-ish most of her life and would go back and forth with her diet and I would tell her, like, I'd bring yummy things to work, thinking it's not a big deal. Like, you should taste this. It's not a big deal. You can just taste it. And now, of course, Mm. I get annoyed by that. But I just didn't connect the dots then. And I changed little things before I even ever considered being vegan. Like, I was working out and someone let me know about a plant-based shake like a meal replacement protein shake type mm-hmm. product. And she's a consultant for Arbonne. She's, oh, we have a plant-based protein powder and ready-made shakes. And you should try it if you're like, you're working out now. I saw you're working out. And I was like, okay, sure. It's better for <laughs> your digestion. It's like, why not? Better for yeah. my digestion. Sure. And then it's, she's a consultant. So I wanted to help. I always love supporting people in their business ventures and careers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sure, I'll buy stuff from you. Why not? It was actually good. And I was like, great, this is great. My kids liked it. So I was like, oh, this is fine. Then I'd say three, four months later, she's, oh, we have clean makeup that we're launching. And I was like, what's not clean about makeup? (laughs) So it made me look up makeup and what what ingredients there are typically. And I was like, oh my God, I'm putting fish scales on my eyes. Yeah. It's like things like, again, like disgusting. you said, you can't unsee it. You can't unhear it. Once, once the veil is lifted, there's no going back. That's it. So I was disgusted. I was like, okay, that's gross. And yes, absolutely. I'll do this. So I replaced all my makeup. And then of course there's the cruelty-free aspect. And so once I looked at what's in it, I also found out about the industry itself and right. you know what they do in different countries and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got rid of all my Mac. Yep. <laughs> I, just, I replaced all of my makeup at once with that product. And I was like, because I didn't wear, I didn't wear makeup a lot. So for me, it was okay. an easy like, throw all that yeah. away. Let's replace it with this. Cool. And then later I came across like seventh generation and different cleaning products mm-hmm. for my house, for my laundry and Myers and just different things. I was like, oh, cleaning products with less chemicals. I think that's great for my family. Yeah. Still not trying to become vegan. That was not, <laughs> no, because I was not changing my food because I'm a foodie. Like that, I was like, I eat everything, always have all the things. Favorite food was steak. Okay. Mm. I'm Creole. I grew up. Seafood was like at every meal. Like it's, it's deeply ingrained. It is like, I I interviewed a nutritionist earlier today and we talked for a long time about the connection, the deep rooted connection we have to food. It's not easy to change that. No, like legit, very Mm. much a thing. And so that summer, and so mind you, this is probably Nine months from the shake to the documentary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That summer. And it was a week before July 4th, like Independence Day. And I watched this documentary and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what, I guess I'm done. That was it. I was like, I guess I'm done. And what am I bringing to the cookout? 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I left that night and from my house, I went out to Okay. And I was like, this is my last hurrah. I'm going to get buffalo shrimp appetizer basket. I'm going to sit at the bar. I'm going to enjoy this moment. I couldn't enjoy the moment. Mm. Like I ate, I ate probably half of it. And I was like, I'm so sad. And so I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I was like, am I vegan? And all day, okay, so what do I actually eat? And I told my then partner, my ex-husband, and I said, I think I'm like done with meat and seafood. And he's like, really? Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And we went to dinner and we had Indian food and the dish I got had six shrimp. I ate two pieces and he was like, more for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And that was it. I was done. Like done. Never turned back, never questioned, never regretted. It was, I was just done. So were you in the industries you're in now before being vegan or were all of these new ventures because of that switch your face? (laughs) That look was absolutely not. Absolutely not. I was very much, I was an entrepreneur then, but I had one company and I worked remotely from home. It was very much like a part-time-ish hours, stay-at-home mom type vibes, but I had my company was doing very well and I was good. I was satisfied. Then (laughs) fast forward, become vegan and Mm -hmm. a year in, I realized accessibility to products was an issue. And I live in Houston. And to me, I'm like, we're the fourth largest city in America. I should have access to whatever option exists, right? You mean food products or beauty products products. or all of the above? Okay. It was mostly food was what I was in the first year. It was food. So I was, okay, so what do I need to do? And I had found Riverous Butcher and I was like, okay, they only let you order in bulk as far as like shipping. So I was part of the Houston Vegans Facebook group. I'm one of the moderators. And that happened after that. But <laughs> I was in this group and people were like, I've never tried it. I've never tried it. And I was like, okay, I'll order a box and we can share. And so I did that. And then I started trying to organize this process. And so I had an online store that was only like four or five different vendors, essentially, mm-hmm. that I would just order stuff, put it in the freezer at my office. And because by then I I had an office, I was, I had co-founded a school that my kids attended at the same time as, yeah, yeah. Sure. Of course you did. I'm just like, yeah, of Of course course I did. That's of course you did. (laughs) So I got a freezer there and people would come pick up stuff for me. They would place somewhere online to come pick up stuff for me. And I was like, oh, why don't I expand and expand? And once the school moved, we found a commercial building because we were in a residential space. So we moved to a commercial building and I got a proper office, actually this office that I'm sitting in. And there was a space that used to be a bookstore in this building. Okay. I put all of my food products in there and I can have proper like commercial freezers and refrigerators. And I was thinking more storage vibes. And they were like, why don't you... or open a storefront. And I was like, I could. And my <laughs> friends really forced this on me. They're like, Dominique, if you never post about it, then you're not going to do it. So pick a day. And I was hey, like, hey, whoa. <laughs> so 
so I picked a grand opening day and then I had to do it. I had to do it. And so I've opened my little boutique grocery store and I had the school and I had my office and my other business and I was fine. But then I divorced. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had put off from when my kids were little was music. Mm. So my partner asked me, what is it that you really want to do? We were having like a vision casting type, you know, conversation. And I was like, I really want to get back to music. And he's okay, let's build a studio. And I was like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, are you crazy? But so, also it sounds like game wreck game, right? You met your match with someone who will yes, be like, okay, good idea. And I knew he had the know-how, like the technical skills and musical ability, but the technical skills to actually put a studio together. He'd done it before. It was easy for me to be like, yes, you know, because I wanted it so badly. Yes, please. Whatever that is, just make it happen. Thank right. you. And then we just built a business around it. We record our own music. We have our own projects, but we also rent the space out to anyone else, the community, the city, people from other states come from different labels and their artists. And then we have our own artists, which was not in the plan initially. There's this pattern where Dominique doesn't have plans and Anthony has really big ideas and Dominique says yes. And all I have of a sudden to say we from own- the outside, it looks like it's because you're really freaking good at making things happen. I just, I think that's part of it. It's to be a task. This is a challenge. We yeah. can do this thing. But he really does. He has really big ideas. And I love logistics. And mm-hmm. it's like a puzzle. And I get excited. Or you just, you want to find someone else to pay for it. Hey. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So eco-friendly <laughs> studio. That can't be yeah, in the, sense the norm. That it, no, it's not the norm. And people say that all the time. They're like, because he usually is the one who introduces me as like the vegan. Because the studio and the record label, the brand is Vegan Bay. And everyone yeah. is, where did that name come from? And right. he's like, she's vegan. And look at her. Like, what are you talking about here? So he's not. So he's not. No, okay. he's not. No, he explored a plant-based diet. Actually, he was on one when I'm like 80-20 plant-based when I met him. And once quarantine happened. Out the door. (laughs) Out the window. Yes. It was all about comfort and some sense of normalcy. And I don't judge it. I'm like, do what you got to do to be okay. Because that was traumatic. It was traumatic. So do you only work with vegan artists in the studio? No. No, I work with everyone. And actually, when people talk about the fact that I'm really the only vegan person here, (laughs) it's it's a platform. Like I have the opportunity to affect people. If everyone here was vegan, then it would be comfortable in the sense that it would just be status quo that every but it wouldn't be growth. Wouldn't be growth. Exactly. And that's how I look at it. I'm in a position to affect change because the people around me are not like me. But the way that they see me is in positive form. They, and I don't preach at them, all of that. They, but they know what to ask and what not to ask if they want me to go down the rabbit hole. Yes, absolutely. So have you had people in your life six years ago when you went vegan, were there people like, what the hell are you doing though? Did you have resistance? For sure. It's my 
previous relationship, I think in the first couple of weeks, it was like a, hey, mom's going vegan. Let's like try it with her type situation. And that was really cool. One of my kids actually stayed, has been vegan ever since. One of my kids did, after that, was pescatarian for a while, then vegetarian, and then they went away to camp and came back vegan. So I don't know what happened at camp, but they came back vegan. So like that a was good like a camp. <laughs> yeah. So a year later, they were vegan. The other two kids, the older ones there, we love you, but this is not for me, which was totally <laughs> fine because I'm very much, a, I believe it's a personal conviction. So I'm not trying to force anybody to do what I do, whatever. If they're interested, then I'll educate them and encourage them. But I'm very much a big picture person. So any efforts that anyone's making in that path, even if their goal for themselves is not to be where like where I'm at, then I'm still like, I encourage that because less animals harmed. Mm. If that's the ultimate goal better environment, less animals harmed. And for me, the other self aspect, of course, is health for yourself. And I consider that as a holistic mind, body, spirit situation. But I tell people when they ask about my veganism, I say it's about a compassion Mm -hmm. mindset. So I have compassion for other beings, which includes people. I have a compassion for the planet and I have compassion for myself. And yeah. That's beautiful. But the challenge back then was really the biggest challenge was in my household. Isn't it interesting how that happens? Yeah. Yeah. Because essentially my partner then, since we didn't share the same personal convictions, it was very difficult for him to relate when I realized that I didn't even want to cook meat, prepare it for other people. And my kids said something that I thought was really insightful because kids are full with their thinking And adults are just so complicated for no reason. We mess things up. Yes. (laughs) I explained how I felt about preparing the chicken for meal prep. Like I didn't want to do it and it made me feel sad. And so I had one of the kids that did still eat meat, like debone or rotisserie and break it down. Mm -hmm. And then I would deal with it. But my youngest was like, well, if someone loves you, then they wouldn't want you to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I said, My goodness, my stomach just flipped. (laughs) Someone should have told me that. (laughs) Wow. I was like, you know, it made made me cry. I couldn't say that they were wrong. Mm -hmm. I couldn't Mm -hmm. be like, that's not the case or it's complicated. It's how I think I ended up answering or responding. But I was like, it was like, yeah, because kids are simple. It's and it's really not complicated. It really is very much a you know, when you really love someone and you're not putting yourself and your own interests mm. ahead of their comfortability, then you would respect, oh, wow. Okay. That makes you feel that way. I'm sorry. Of course you don't, I don't expect you to do that. Right. So yeah. Do you have like your elevator speech or your top tips when people say, okay, you got me, I'm interested, but where do I start? They want to quit dairy. Interesting. Say more. The response. Yeah. Usually the response is, I don't drink cow's milk anymore. And I said, beyond that, let's Mm -hmm. talk cheese. Let's talk dairy proteins in processed foods. Let's talk dairy as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, read ingredients, read ingredients. And if an allergen, it lists milk, then something in there. Yep. Is a milk derivative. Don't 
eat it. I was like, and then you'll see how much of what you eat actually has dairy in it. And then they'll, they usually say, I don't do cow's milk. And sometimes they move on to say, I'm lactose intolerant. And I'm like, you're not a baby cow. So there's that. We're all lactose intolerant to some degree. It just varies on a spectrum. Some people notice and some people don't. Some people are allergic and some people Mm -hmm. have just over time not known what it's like to not consume dairy. So they don't even understand how their body feels when they don't. So it's normal. Whatever's happening to the body is normal. It's wild. It's wild to think about. I, upon finding out I was lactose intolerant, i.e. not a baby cow in college, before I went vegan, I was just getting more and more sick. And I was like, I went to the doctor and they did all these tests and ultrasound and blah, 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 blah. I couldn't figure it out where this pain was coming from. My mom, typical mom fashion was just like, you're lactose intolerant. It's from your dad, but no one will listen. And I'm like, whatever. And then I cut dairy for a bit and it was like, oh, yeah, that was right. And it's wild because when I reflect upon that journey, I didn't get talked to about food and dairy or lactose intolerance in that way because everything else was explored. I think of all the tests I had done, but I didn't talk to anybody about food. Yes, because changing your diet isn't going to benefit the medical profession at all. They're not going to need to prescribe you more meds. They're not going to need to run more tests. If you actually healed yourself with food, then where do they fit into the equation? And I explained to them that it takes three to four weeks for dairy to be gone from your system. So you really have to cut it out completely. And because then you consume it and you're starting all over again because it lingers and it's yep. going to hang out and it's going to be mucus in your joints and like and sw- inflammation in your joints and mucus in your body. Like, yep, it's just going to hang out there. <laughs> so, I know it's so you gross know. when you think about it and you know about it. I'm just like, you said yes. like mucus and I'm like, I know every time someone's, oh, I'm always congested. I want to just be like, dairy. So dairy. Dairy. <laughs> Yeah. And when I'm like, you're like, but cheese. And I'm like, yeah, cheese has an actual addictive component to it. Like literally scientifically proven addictive component. So you have to stop, like you have to stop and then it has to get out of your system and then your taste buds change. This podcast is sponsored by Terraseed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at TerraSeed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. At this point in my sustainability journey, I have tried lots of products. Plain Products is a clear winner not only with their product, but their mission to eliminate single-use plastic from the bathroom. 
Offering a line of toxin-free personal care products, Plain products come in aluminum bottles that can be sent back and refilled time after time. Seriously, it's so cool. All of the products are vegan, non-GMO, cruelty-free, biodegradable, color-safe, and free of parabens, sulfates, and toxins. So it's good for the body and the planet. Get 20% off your first order of Plain products with code CARLY20 at plainproducts.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-2-0. Get sustainably clean today. Yes. They do. They transform. And then you start experimenting with substitutes. If you want to reintroduce something like a dairy substitute, then you start there. But you have to get rid of it first. It has to be out of your system first. And a lot of people don't get that. They're like, but I try vegan cheese. I'm like, but you're still eating regular cheese. So you can't do it side by side. That's not going to work. That's so true. And that's such a good reminder on how taste changes and how you have to give that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell people when they ask me now, when I'm eating different substitutes and they're like, does Mm -hmm. it taste like the real thing? And I said, honey, I haven't eaten the real thing in six years. So I have no (laughs) idea. All I know is that it's good. I have no idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, you can swear. Please do. Okay. (laughs) I was like, I'm like, I really, I don't know. I just know I'm enjoying it. And it's all that matters to me. Like at the end of the day, you can call it whatever you want to call it. I won't care. I'm going to try it because I'm a foodie. And if I enjoy it, then I'm going to eat it. I really don't care what they thought they were trying to make it taste like. That doesn't matter to me. If it's good and it's not an animal. Yeah, let's eat. eat. Exactly. (laughs) So I want to hear more about luxury and fashion and veganism. Okay. Please, because it's such an interesting it's an interesting mix of words, right? You don't always hear that. Yeah. So when I first approached this space, I realized that it sounds like a contradiction, the idea of vegan and luxury. People talk about being vegan in the area of privilege because Mm -hmm. they say that the food is expensive because they're thinking solely of processed foods or they're thinking of the prices of organic produce and things like that, or considering something that is a cause that I focus on sometimes is food deserts. And so the Mm -hmm. intersectionality of those types of things is a huge issue for me. So Mm -hmm. when I first became vegan almost six years ago, I didn't see anyone who looked like me. Everything was very beige, granola, a little hippie, a little hippie leaning in most areas, or just unattractive, like the shoes and the things like that. The stamps are rough. Oh man. Okay. I fall into a few of them and then that's fine. (laughs) Like I know I'm a white vegan girl. That's fine. But like some of them are rough. We need better marketing. Yes. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them are really rough. So for me, yes. Vegan, white, bland, all of this stereotype list. And so that's what that was. I get into this space and I'm like, okay. This ain't for me. Where are the people? Where are the things? Where are the people? Where are the things? When I transitioned into getting back into music and at the same time was looked at as an influencer. Mm. And so I'm like in the entertainment industry slash an influencer. I was going to, I was still going to like corporate type events and things like that. So suiting was important to me. However, I was going to more entertainment focused things, which meant I needed to show up looking really fly. And so in my space, what's recognizable to people is Gucci, 
Louis Vuitton, Versace. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it, it is luxury designer, high end brand names. That's what's recognizable to people in my space. So, how could I be relatable and also stay true, like in alignment with my values? Yeah. And so I be online curating, like picking pieces. Like I'm, I am online in the different websites, like forward and Luisa Villaroma and all the different boutique online sites that carry all the high-end luxury brands. And I'm reading endlessly all of the materials <laughs> on mm. every piece that caught my eye. So, so yeah. I love that. What is it made of? Oh, I love that. What is it made of? Or I'm in sacks going from rack to rack, turning clothes inside out, reading labels. And people probably thought I was looking for prices until I'm standing there. And they're like, they would come and they're like, may I help you? And I'm like, yeah, so I don't do wool, silk, leather, cashmere, and all the, I don't do any of those things. They're like, oh, okay. So I, in this time period in this space, I had found Stella McCartney mm-hmm. because of her Adidas collab. And so Adidas has so much in that space to offer that's vegan friendly or eco-conscious and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I found her through that collab. And then at the time there was a Houston boutique. So I could go into that store and about half of the line, I would be able to shop it because she still does silk and wool. She does it in a way that makes sense for her because it's vegetarian in that sense. But the way that she sources her wool, she calls them her sheep. Like it's very specific how all of that process happens for her. She's still, I spoke to her about the silk recently. (laughs) She's still working on an alternative for the silk to get away from that, which I love. You've connected with her directly then. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've been invited to sit at her show. I was like front row in Paris in the fall and I go to different events and I have a few pictures. I posted one picture of her like grabbing my boobs and everybody loves and freaks out about it. So I mean, it's like, what well, you can't not say that and have a reaction. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's so fun. She's fun. She's, re- yeah. she's, really, she's a really cool person. I admire her because I consider her like an innovator in this space mm. and very much someone I look up to in the fashion space and innovation in eco-friendly and vegan fashion because she has put a lot into the mushroom leathers and things like that, just coming right. up with different ways to approach luxury fashion and she's a part of the lvmh house so it's like she has a brand that is 100 considered luxury because she's a part of the people who own moet and hennessy and all these different high-end brands and so to me that's like ultimate if you're luxury and vegan right being in that space is wow like it's validation Because that means that your fashion really is fashion. It's mainstream, high-end luxury fashion. And so I can appreciate that, really. So I started shopping Stella. And between her and picking pieces from everyone Mm -hmm. else's line, um, people started to pay attention. And I also highlighted or I did a lot of research to find shoes. (laughs) Because that was very easy. Finding a high-end 
a vegan like pump and it's so interesting. Hard. I've got to admit it's, it's so nothing I've ever Googled, but I'll take your word for it that it's hard to find. Yes, there are a handful of brands that exist now, like Pifery, which is amazing, and that do high end. And then I go down to even mid-level when I call mid-levels like the 200-ish range. So here in the States, we have Cult of Coquette, and I love her. Oh. I love what the styles that she offers. She does a lot of silhouettes that are similar to the high-end silhouettes that are out there. So you get something that looks like what's mm. familiar to people. And so I appreciate that. But this is so fun because yeah. fashion to me is like another language, but I'm just like sitting here. Yeah. Cool. Oh my gosh. Really? Okay. I'm just like speak yes. fashion to me. Yes. Yeah. I mean that and handbags and then like Balenciaga has these one of a kind denim bags. And I say one of a kind because it's cycled like waste. So they took leftover oh, wow. pieces from other designs and put together these denim bags. So each one looks different because they're just pieces that were left right. over from other stuff, which I love. And mm-hmm. most people don't know that most of Balenciaga sneakers are animal free. Wow. That's, that is a, yes, that is a thing. Gucci, wow. they created Demetra, which is a leather substitute made from wood pulp. And they put out a whole line, of two different kinds of sneakers and plus like different pieces and other collections with it it's super exciting honestly to see that kind of innovation in that space yeah it's really interesting to to think about those real changes because so much of what comes out from different brands or companies is just greenwashing bullshit right that it's just like we are so eco and green and like they're not it's a lie it means nothing but it's interesting to hear those real innovative practices that aren't just necessarily greenwashing, but they're changing how you would do fashion, which is obviously something like that I'm not well-versed in, but it's so interesting to learn about another space that is doing these innovative, sustainable vegan practices. Yeah. It's really amazing. I decided that because there's not a truly like 100% vegan high-end like luxury brand that I was going to create one, especially because I'm in entertainment and business. So I wanted a range of, instead of me picking and choosing from other lines to put together looks for myself, I just wanted, here's a line that's inspired by the spaces that I'm in. So I have suiting and then I have performance wear. And you know what I'm saying? Right, I have these right. things where I'm going out or I'm just chill. So those things for me exist in one place. And so I'm super excited. The brand is called Nikki Green and we're launching soon. We just shot everything for the lookbook a month ago. So we're in the middle of putting that all together. And yeah, it's amazing. That's what's coming next. That's really fun. I think I've officially put on my bucket list is to walk a red carpet someday with you dressing me. Absolutely. I would love that. That would be so cool. Yeah. I love red carpet. Red carpet season is going on right now. I love seeing all the fashion and being inspired by it. My creative director for my line has been my stylist for four years now. Oh, wow. And he had to learn a lot about vegan everything like for him um since I was picking all the pieces and he was putting together the looks he Mm -hmm. didn't have to know as much 
because right. I was doing all the bedding. But then he's the person who did the interior design for this office. So oh, wow. when he did it, he had to learn because no leather, no wool, no fur, no. So, you know, these chairs and these couches and all yep. these things that you want a specific look for this room. Now find the alternative, honey, because we're not yes. doing that. And so with rugs, like he just had to figure it out. And it was the a whole new world. Curve. Yes. And so now with this line, it's a whole new level that he had no clue because sourcing the fabrics mm. is way more intense than he ever imagined. Right. And then he went to Text World, which is the textile convention in New York, and he sat in on sustainability panels. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. He just, he came back. Oh my God. I did not know that the dye that they use for denim needs to the be. The veil like, was <laughs> lifted. He was like, oh shit, I can't unsee it. We've all been there. We've all been there, brother. Yeah. It was crazy. It came back. What the fuck did you just get me? Shell shocked. <laughs> just like, I regret everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. But it gave him a new appreciation and it helped tremendously because then he knew who the players were. And so now he's working from a more knowledgeable place and he gets it because, I mean, honey, if you're not intimately connected to the why, then it really is difficult to consider it in everything you do. Like, that it's is not second a nature. sound bite right there <laughs> because one of the pillars in my coaching content that I work with people is your, find your why. If yes. you aren't connected to your why, you're going to give up and you're not going to give a shit at some point. So yep. why exactly. are you doing this? Yep. And that's what people, one, the other thing, when you ask me about the tips, right. I start with the dairy because I tell them if you can get rid of dairy, then anything else is going to be easier. True. Because you don't realize how much dairy is in every. So if you can get rid of dairy, then anything else is a cakewalk. The other part is to when you feel like you're wavering, (laughs) reconnect to your why. What is your why? And if you're not intimately connected to your why, then what the fuck are you doing this? You'll question yourself and then it'll be easy at a social function or whatever. You'll be like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. I'll have a little crawfish today. Like mm-hmm. it's crawfish season and I only do this once. You know, it, yeah. it's very much that. And But the problem with that for me is that although the people around me aren't vegan, they're watching me be vegan. <laughs> yes, they are. So if I say that I'm vegan and I'm like, this is what my partner likes to say, she's vegan for real. Like from her <laughs> head to her toe, from her head to her toe to she's her not car. Lying. She's Amazing. For real, like for real. I'm like, no, not just her food. I'm talking everything. All like, of- yeah. And so I love it when he says it. It's really funny because people are like, what? Because yeah, yeah, most level. people, yeah, most people think food. And for me, and I don't say this to discourage people, but for me, if it's limited to your food, that means you're on a plant-based diet. 100%. And some people call it a plant-based lifestyle. And that's cool. That's cute. 
You're observing a plant-based lifestyle, which means you'll never not be plant-based. And that's cool. I, that is wonderful because like I said, less harm overview. Yes. Less harm. All the efforts. I applaud them. I think it's amazing. However, if you are a person who appreciates classifications and Mm -hmm. identifies with titles or labels, then you probably should know what they mean. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) and veganism has become like a buzzword, like a fad type vibe. And I'm like, it's not just food, babe. Yeah. It's not, it's a conscious lifestyle. Like it really is. It is, it is something to consider at every moment. And that, I don't mean to say that as daunting or overwhelming. It's also for me, it becomes exciting because it's always a way to learn. Yeah, exactly. And and, uh, people, when people say, oh my God, it sounds like a religion. I'm like, if you compare it to people who are very strictly religious and it's like a spiritual experience for them and it's tied to all the decisions that they make in their life, then sure. If that's what makes relatable for you, then yeah, you you can compare it to religion because ultimately it's a choice. But for people who are truly like, you know, and I say religious because people say religion, but even just spiritual, when they have they have a center that they make all their decisions from, this is my base. And mm-hmm. every decision I make is around this core belief or thought process or value, set of values, that sure, you can compare it to that. Because that's yeah. exactly what it is. It is a compassion mindset. Like everything about what I buy, where I go, what if activities I engage in, it it yeah. really is centered around that. And since it's so intimate and personal for me, it's not even a second. It's just how I move innately, yeah. how I move. And literally the only reason, the only time it becomes more thought than doing, like I have to put more thought into it is when it involves other people. Yes. That's it. Yes. Oh my God. So what is case retweet? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> When it's just me and I'm just doing me and moving me and feeding me and dealing with me, it's simple. (laughs) It's so simple. And even with my vegan kids, my 16, 18 year old, if it's just me and them and we're just doing life, there are no questions. We're just doing life the way that we see life. When I start... (laughs) When you start throwing in the others, <laughs> then it's, it this is messy. exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it does. It gets really tiring when you have all these other people's opinions. Is there anything yeah. you want to share with listeners that I haven't given you space to do so? I've spoken about so many aspects of my life and veganism, <laughs> but I tell people that it's not about perfection. It's about effort and mm-hmm. you can't beat yourself up. It's not like a, I fell out the wagon. And so at some point I'll get back on. It's really not like that either. It's a journey and everybody's journey looks different. Everybody's not going to 
be a make a blunt change like I did. Right. That just fits my personality and my reasons for becoming vegan. And I learned a lot along the way. I never went right or left. It was more I expanded as I learned. So it was very yeah. narrow in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't I knew nothing. And as I grew and learned, I love to learn. I found all the wonderful things and then my life expanded. I feel like my life is more full now than it ever has been. And even just related to food, I tell people all the time, you know, I ate really great things, great tasting things before. However, the day-to-day norm is that you have these few meats that you cycle between and like the same side dishes that you put with them. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of variety in most people's diets. However, when you become vegan and you eliminate all of the animals, you open your mind and you discover the thousands of plants and grains, all the things that exist for you to make it vibrant and exciting to try new things. And it's just, and eventually you settle into your favorites or your day-to-day type vibes, what you're willing to prepare for yourself or the go-tos for where you go to eat. But man, I've discovered so many things since becoming vegan foods that I'd never heard of before that I incorporate. And I don't eat salads. (laughs) I do, but I don't. Not the way that people think. I tell people all the time, I literally can probably count on one hand how many salads I eat in like a year. I want a, yeah, I want a real salad that has like a lot of stuff in it that's like really enjoyable, like to eat. Not an afterthought of some random lettuce and one tomato and two cucumbers that they gave me at a restaurant because they didn't have anything else. No, thank you. (laughs) And some like uncooked red onions. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. Pass. Yeah. Nope. Not, that's not my vibe. And I don't no. want people to think that's what their, that's what their future looks like if they decide to be vegan. No, I eat all kinds of things, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. long as it doesn't have animals, I'm good. I'm game. Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been so lovely. Yes. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. 
Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10. Or check out the link in the show notes. 